Welcome to Arise Esther, a podcast for today's Esthers, women who are ready to rise up with courage and faith like Esther of old, who stepped up to lead when life was tough but faith was fierce. Hi, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your podcast host. I get to talk to some of the most resilient women on the planet, all who faced trials head on and triumphed. Now we're here to help you do the same. So turn it up, Esther. This is your moment. So I know I say this a lot, but ladies listening today, you are in for a treat. And the reason why I'm saying that is because this isn't just an interview to encourage your heart, but if you are a grandmother and you have grandchildren, you may want to gather them around at some point because today is going to bless you. My guest grew up in Anahuac, Texas, and she gave her life to the Lord when she was 14 years old at a tiny Baptist church. Later, she married, she became a nurse, and she started a family. Today, my guest and her husband, Philip, live in Louisiana, and between them, they have four children and grandchildren. She's now the author of a book called It's Storytime, Mima. And she has a podcast with the same name. Would you please welcome to Arise Esther today, Joanne Vickner. Hey, Joanne. Hey, thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Well, I'm excited to have you on today and I'm interested in your story. I want to hear about how you got the idea to write this book, because at one point you said, I'm just nobody special. I'm just your everyday grandma. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came up with this idea. I will. It's all of God. When I say it's all of God, you'll see why. My daughter and son-in-law separated and my grandchildren were only three and five. And it just broke my heart. And um, I knew they could get through it if they knew Jesus. And God just laid it on my heart. Give them me. They'll be okay. Give them me. So when they got in the car and they asked me for a story, I stopped. I prayed, God. Give me a story of you. They need you in their lives. Help them draw closer to you. And then I told them this story. They loved it so much from then on for eight years. Every time they got in the car, they chanted, it's story time, Mima, story time. I'd stop, I'd pray, and God give me a story. And that's where it all started. I wanted them to come to know him better. And I just thank God that he used that, you know, to, to help them come to know him better. That's wonderful. You know, so very often it's in the difficult times, isn't it, of life that God gives us just that special anointing, that strength to endure. So these stories, I mean, are they stories about Bible characters or life or childhood? Where'd you get the stories? Everyday adventures. I wanted them to see God in everything because he is in everything. So sometimes I would say, God, give me a story about bullying or God, give me the story that tells them when they come to know Christ, they are that new creation. So Joanne, tell us this. I'm thinking here you are in the private eight years. It kind of sounds to me very close to how Jesus was developed. The curtain kind of closes. We don't see him until he's 12. We get a sneak peek, closes again, and there he is, comes out with the ministry. It was in the private place that God starts developing this gift and this calling and this ministry for you. So eight years in the private, and then you thought it'll always stay private, but something else happened. Yes. 
Yes, when um, they accepted Jesus, then I started uh, typing up those stories. I had some printing off on the printer. I was praying at my kitchen table. And I tell you, I heard, I heard audibly have them published. And I said, God, you want me to have these published? This is awesome. And for three weeks, I typed like there was no tomorrow. I typed those stories, but God gave me new stories. He did show me a vision of rays coming over a church. That story is on my website and all. It was great. And um, I just finished those stories and I thought I'd hand that packet off to somebody and they would have that published and my job would be done. But God did not leave me to do that. He had me do this. I've never used a computer. I had never done social media. I had to buy the computer and learn how to use it. That was awful. That was awful. And and my come to God really stepping out in faith moment was when I had no clue what I was doing. I was on the floor crying out to him saying they want a PDF file. They want this zipped up and sent. They want this. And I haven't a clue. I literally had no clue. And I'd say, God, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. I cannot do this. I would get up. I would pray. I would call my prayer partners. They got me through it. And it was after I finished sending in everything and got everything done that God spoke to my soul. And he said, Joanne, you never could do this. This was not of you. This is of me. And I will never forget that. Never. That's an amazing story. And I want to stop just for a moment and kind of parenthetically talk about something because this is a real thing for women our age, perhaps many of those that listen, women in the second half of their life, the world has changed so much. And when you talk about being overwhelmed by technology or basically being asked of the Holy Spirit to move into a domain that you don't know anything. Now you sound like Abraham, leave your mother and father and go to a place that I will show you. And he's like, well, I don't know where we're going or what we're doing. Mm -hmm. The program is called Arise Esther for a purpose because there are many women that God has asked to step up to do something amazing in a domain in a world that they're not familiar with, but they find their brave and that strength to somehow take the next step. That's what you're describing to me, yeah. that, that you are willing to say, okay, God, I'm going to do this for the next generation. Did you feel that, that you were almost in a warfare for the next generation? Absolutely. Absolutely. I did. And you, and you, were, you had the grit and the determination to keep on going. I knew that if he spoke it, he wanted it. I knew that he would see to it somehow using someone like me, he would get through it. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I couldn't figure it out. I wasn't meant to figure it out, but I've learned so much through this process and grown so much through this. It's, it's amazing. So you, how did you learn to hear God's voice in that way? I, you know, uh, when I get that uneasy feeling, I go to prayer. God gives me a sense of peace. Um, it's all in prayer. I tell people this book is probably involves 200 people, but all I did literally was pray. Everybody else did everything else. I prayed and it's in the relationship. The more I, I drew closer to him, the more he drew closer to me. Beautiful. And so now you're an author of a book called Mima, 
Well, it's story time, Mima. And then you have a podcast with the same name. What do you do on your podcast? It, I tell the stories. All the stories that are in the book, I tell. Uh, after I was interviewed the first time when the book came out, I was called after that interview by the Truth Network and said, let's do a podcast. I did not know what a podcast was. I do now. But I, I record those stories. But God continued to give me stories. And I, I put those new stories on the podcast. So there are all the stories there. And um, he's just led me recently to start something new. And I just love doing this. I'm not just the storyteller. I bring in these other people. And I've started a mini series called the Hand of God series. And it's literally stories of how God intervened in the lives of my friends and others. And they are part of the story so that people around the world can hear that God did this for me, Ma, but God did this for Gina and God did this for Ray and Nancy and God, and they hear those voices and that I hope they learn that what God did for me and for all these others, he will certainly do for them. It's so powerful. So, you yeah. know, I have to ask you for a story today. I want to hear one of these stories, but before I turn you loose to do that, I do want to just say one more time, I'm really excited about what you're doing because there's a subplot here. And that is that you had a second half of life that you did not anticipate. You've reinvented yourself. You've emerged as a relevant voice, a woman of God doing something with your life that is so profound and you are changing the next generation. People, children are coming to Christ through this endeavor. So I'm really excited about that. I have to mention that because, you know, I am also known as the Braveheart mentor, helping women in the second half of life reinvent themselves. Uh -huh. So you fit that profile. So way oh. to go, sister. <laughs> thank you, you. Thank you. All right. I, so Mima, it's story time. I have a story. It's called The Horrible, Awful Screen. Dad, true story. Our four-year-old grandson years ago, Johnny and his dad were going crawfishing this fine Saturday morning at the Bonnie Carey Spillway. The spillway is an area used for overflow of river water. The gates were open to lower the river water level and it helps reduce the chance of flooding downstream. The spillway had been open for a couple of weeks. The waterway is completely flooded between the Mississippi River and Lake Pontchartrain. It is a beautiful sight to see. The water rages through the open gates with lightning speed. It rips through the spillway and empties into the lake. It looks like dangerous white rolling rapids. There's a frenzy of bird activity going on. Seagulls and pelicans are diving in the water for an easy feast. Large bald eagles take place as well, get a meal, um, and they're instantly spotted with those beautiful white heads. The spillway's now been closed. The water had risen 12 feet. It takes days for that much water to drain out, but it's finally low enough where we can go crawfishing. Dad loaded everything up in the truck into the spillway we went. We were meeting my cousin Ethan and his family there. The plan was to catch sacks and sacks of crawfish. Dad loves crawfish etouffee. Meemaw loves crawfish fettuccine. We're gonna fish all day. Dad even brought a huge pot to boil crawfish right there by the truck. You talk about good? Mm. I don't suck the heads though. Baby girl Julie sure does. She's a mess. We arrive. 
there are people everywhere. They already had their nets set. You could see areas of all yellow flags over there and red flags over there. Our nets are marked with purple and gold, of course. We're huge LSU Tiger fans. We bleed purple and gold. Our nets are now set and we're crawfishing. Oh, here comes little Ethan hiking in his red rubber boots. Uncle Simon is leading the way. Ethan, four years old, is following him and Allie is following Ethan. Allie is eight. Aunt Liz is still gathering items from the truck. Uncle Simon is telling him, follow me, be careful, stay close. You see, there are a lot of culverts under the dirt roads in the spillway and you can't see them. There's still plenty of water rushing around dirt mounds. Deep ponds everywhere continue to drain underground. The water moves through shooting, through a maze of, the water moves through a maze of culverts underneath to empty out and the ground is still unlevel. Uncle Simon said, stay on high ground guys, watch your step. I could hear them, but I wasn't watching them. I was busy helping my dad lift crawfish nets. We had crawfish all over the place. We had never caught so many so fast. Meemaw is gonna love this, I thought. Suddenly, I heard this horrible, awful scream. Dad, Dad, I got goosebumps. Who could be screaming? Why is she screaming? I looked around. It was Allie. She was hysterical. She's screaming uncontrollably over and over. It's Ethan. He's gone. He's gone. Uncle Simon dropped everything and turned around and in a flash, Ethan had vanished. Aunt Liz screamed, my baby, Simon, find him. People swarmed into the area. Everyone was bobbing up and down in the ponds trying to find Ethan, even me. I could feel the current trying to pull my watch off my wrist and my shirt was pulled tightly against my neck. The water didn't look that swift, but it was. Allie was too upset and too small to help. She kept saying, please save my brother. A stranger nearby called the cops. The cops arrived and called for an ambulance. It looked hopeless. No one can survive staying under the water that long. Uncle Simon turned pale white. He was frantically running, diving, reaching, and absolutely nonstop praying, God help me, I have to find Evan. An ambulance arrived on the scene. It had been a long time since Ethan went under the water. People around us started crying. They believed Ethan had drowned, but not his mom. She never stopped praying. She told God she didn't care how hopeless the situation appeared. She knew he was God. She said, you are the miracle maker. You gave me my son. I haven't finished raising him yet. I need to see the miracle. I need it now, dear Lord. At that very moment, Uncle Simon saw one of little Ethan's boots pop up a few yards away. He, he fought with all his might to get to the spot where it floated off water was clear up to his hips. He had to fight hard to clear his feet from the thick gooey mud that closed in on them with each step. He reached the spot. Dear God, help me. Where's Ethan? Under the water he went. He felt around. He felt a culvert. He reached in. He felt something like a foot, but he couldn't get a grip. He was out of air. He had to come up quickly, gasped for air, and went back under. His feet were kicking something terrible above the water, but his head was underneath. 
he reached back in that culvert. He felt, he grabbed, he knew it was Ethan's leg. And at that moment, he thought, what if? That was the most scared he's ever been in his life. He ripped Ethan right out of that culvert. Ethan was alive. He wasn't even crying. He said, Daddy, I was in a tunnel going really fast and I couldn't get out. Aunt Liz started praising God and ran to grab him. She prayed, thank you for this miracle. Thank you for your blessings. She snatched Ethan up and loved on him. She got in the ambulance with him as the paramedics took them to the hospital to be checked out. When the ambulance pulled out and turned on the sirens, poor Uncle Simon collapsed. His legs just gave out. He realized that God had just performed a miracle for him and his family. He was overwhelmed with gratitude. I was standing by Uncle Simon and Allie and I patted his shoulder and I said, God is good, huh? Mima and Papa didn't go crawfishing. They met Ethan at the hospital. He was fine and got to go home. Boy, will Mima have a praise report for Sunday school tomorrow. She sure likes to brag on her God. I end the story with scripture, Psalms 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Wow. True story. And I'm pleased to say, Ethan, not the real name, Evan is his real name, but we'll be graduating from high school this year. Oh, tremendous. Praise God. What an incredible story. Well, because it's true and because of the way you deliver it. Oh, man. So are you doing that on podcast? Yes. Beautiful. Yes. That was tremendous. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you for being with us today. I can't imagine that someone listening to that wouldn't feel that impact and see the glory of God. Last question, how is your faith impacting the next generation? I hope that they see me read that Bible. They see me trust God. They see me pray, and they remember that. Um, I have them now included in prayer. I, I ask them to pray something, you know, so they get used to just talking to God at any point in time. It's been such a blessing. God has just uh, given me a sense of peace. They're going to be okay. You know, this is going to be all right. Amen. The book is called It's Story Time, Mima, and the podcast with the same name. Joanne, thank you for being with us today. Where can we find you and where oh, can thank- we get your book? Thank you very much for having me. Um, JoanneVicknerAuthor.com is my website. I'm on Facebook, same name. Uh, the book's available at Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. And uh, if you want a personalized copy, it's on my website. Oh, that'd be cool. Well, we'll have those links available in the show notes. Thank you once again for being with us. You're a brave Esther. Thank you for rising up. And I have a question for all of you who are listening today. You modern day Esthers, is this your moment to arise?
I hope you've enjoyed the podcast today. And hey, if you've not done so yet, why don't you subscribe on Apple Podcasts so you never miss another episode. Or you can visit us at ariseester.com. And while you're there, make sure you join the movement. Visit us today to get connected. For more information about me, Dawn Damon, visit dawndamon.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for a free breakthrough strategy session. Until we meet again, keep rising. This is your moment.